Viewer discretion is advised, as this show is not for the faint of heart or sensitive ears. We ask our younger viewers to check out some of DC Comics News' other great content. There's plenty for you guys to see and read, just not here. It's nothing personal. We'll explain when you're older. Now let's begin. Three, two, one. Hey there. Guess what? You've arrived at the dirtiest program available in DC Comics News. That's right. It's Mad Love. It's all about the Harley Quinn TV show, originally from DC Universe, now on HBO Max. And it is wildly inappropriate. If you're not old enough to be watching the show, you're not old enough to be listening to this podcast. And if you have to ask, guess what? You're certainly too young. With that, if that happens to be you, please hang up. Check out any of our other great content from DC Comics News podcast and know that this will always be here when you are old enough to tune back in, hear all the craziness, and who knows, catch up in the future when we're doing like, you know, season 10 of a great show that I hope goes to like season 20. With that out of the way, welcome once again to Mad Love. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 23. We're going to be doing season two, episode number 10, Die Hard. It's not the spelling you're used to, though, so just get that into your brain and have some fun as we go along. Thankfully, it's not just me. I'm joined by two amazing members of the DC Comics News podcast team, starting off with Mr. Brad Felicki. Brad, how you doing today, sir? I'm okay. I just really hope that uh, Jeffy Weidman gets his day in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Exactly. And if you heard a chuckle right now, that added voice was Kelly Gates. Kelly, great to have you on with us. What an introduction. I got to remember to laugh my way on, too. Like, that was awesome. Like, haha. I'm like, well, okay. Guess who's here? Guess who's here, too? <laughs> um, so, it's hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say that if you guys would like to, to start this one off, do you have a favorite quote you would like to just sort of say is either your favorite at the get go and then we can kind of like look forward to it coming in? Or that you feel like embodies the spirit of this episode. Any thoughts, takers, anything? Also, it's called Die Hard. So if you want to offer up a different title at this point, I'd like you to make the suggestion and we can let listeners decide, you know, just how close you are. I, I almost want to say, are you fucking kidding me? Because okay. just in a sense that that sums up the uh, episode uh, pretty well. And there's also <laughs> what, 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 uh, what does Harley say? I'm just going to go point the shit out of somebody. <laughs> that that was that was a pretty good line. <laughs> okay, okay, nice, Kelly. How about you? Anything there? I could agree with those titles for sure. Um, okay. I think my my favorite quote though is definitely Jim Gordon saying, "But Batman, I wanna." Cause <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I love Jim Gordon. I love him. <laughs> well, he's the best. He's absolutely the best. And and I'm just gonna go ahead and drop in why I think this episode has some things that just always need to be considered. And that is because my favorite line is from Harley. <clears throat> Pussies are powerful. And I, I just had to fucking like smile like, yep, I'm jotting that one down. That one's going right in the memory. 
it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it was right up there with, uh, you know, carving the, uh, what was it? The, the ice tunnel. <laughs> oh, yes. The ice vagina. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. Powerful, like just kind of sung at home for me. I was like, dude, if you're going to fuck with somebody like Psycho, what a better statement to say than the one thing that probably terrifies the hell out of him, right? Powerful <laughs> to have genitalia that he simply can't deal with. So with that out of the way, I'd like to say, if you're wondering just how crass this show might get, I hope that gives you uh, a suggestion. And from here on out, you've been warned. You've even been, you know, scolded if you're underage. In fact, I'm saying it again. If you're too young, get out of here. Go on now. Get. All right. With that. I get a kick out of the fact that we get the chance to use this episode to come back around and catch up on the fact that last episode, there was the Bachelor Bachelorette. So the team was split up and everyone was off kind of doing their own thing. So at this one, we, we get the chance to see uh, King Shark hanging out with Clayface, talking, interestingly enough, about the uh, <clears throat> appropriation on the part of Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, as well as hear Harley's side of how the Bachelorette party went and also why Ivy isn't there. Guys, what do you think about this sort of, hey, let's all catch up on how everybody's doing? sort of intro that you know i kind of felt sorry for harley all she wanted to do was hang out and nobody was there i kind of i kind of felt her loneliness when uh, clayface and uh uh the king shark leave so yeah i was i was, uh, was kind of feeling for her at that moment oh, what about you kelly you know, I was kind of surprised that nobody asked for more. Well, that uh, Harley didn't ask for more detail about King Shark getting married because he throws that in pretty early on. And she just kind of she's like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'd ask a few questions like how, why, who's Tabitha? But, you know, I, and I do feel for Harley. I mean, she's trying pretty hard to hold it together. And yeah, for a second, I was like, oh, she's kind of handling this well you know going to see her friends kind of talking it through but no no no. then she follows up with uh, let's get drunk essentially and it's like it, i i get her i feel for her but maybe not the healthiest decision but then at the same time i mean that's the way a, a lot of people i suppose deal with heartbreak to um you know well we know what harley's plan is going to be but essentially to boink the shit out of somebody so i get it what about you seth <laughs> <laughs> so hard to follow up such great statements like both of those the only thing i think i can introduce that should provide mm -hmm, and steve if you're with me in spirit right now you're going to appreciate the punning i'd like to throw some chum in the water with uh king shark's statement uh jesus was really a shark and that's why he has to go off with tabitha right because you know she's actually quite religious and oh, we, we yeah. get the moment to to sort of just like dabble with that because I remember, you know, um, as irreverent as the show is, I do remember a family guy that made fun of fish Jesus. He was nailed on a piece of wood for everybody's sins and he's hung up in a business person's office. And that was like a little, so I thought I was like, interesting. Are we doing a shark themed one just because King shark or just because, Hey, everybody's got a theology. Like, you know, I, I think back to the star Trek, uh, undiscovered country, you know, you have to hear Shakespeare in the original Klingon to understand how beautiful it is. So I'm just throwing it out there. King Shark, you know. 
<laughs> is there a shark somewhere down down in the water that, that we all come across because it's going to chase everything up top or you know just kind of curious <laughs> we need to know more about king shark's background like I, I need to hear about this shark jesus there sounds like there's a lot going on with sharks in this show underneath and i i do want to know more yeah i mean i feel like you know it's a bathroom down there kind of gave us like an idea of what the mentality is but i also feel like there's these other things that need some details like Shark Jesus, Jesus Shark. I don't know how you say that one. Anyways, and I love that, you know, you guys both pointed out, I agree, I feel bad for Harley. Like, she she wants to do stuff, and, I mean, okay, Clayface, it's Tony's. Like, you know what he's going to pick. Harley, Tony's, Harley, Tony's, Tony's. He, he, he probably sings along because he knows all of the music from all the different stuff. You know what I mean? I'd watch the Tony's, I'd be like, that sounds familiar. And he'd be like, what are you talking about? Let me go ahead. And and so she's left to do what? Well, as she describes it, you know, and Kelly, as you put it so well, point the shit out of somebody or, you know, she's always down to clown. And I, I do love the fact that we get a tender moment from Cy, who's like, if there's one thing a landlord always, or there's two things a landlord always knows <laughs> about his tenant, <laughs> you know, no oven, can't charge rent if the oven doesn't work. And then he also knows that Is she's that sat. True? like like, that opens some doors for me is that true can we get a listener calling can we get a listener Uh, (laughs) tweet at us if you know the answer (laughs) seriously we leave you all the ways at the end it's very easy like come on um but you know kelly thanks for putting that up because i feel like plenty of folks are like i would like to know because i have an issue to raise with my landlord if so so <laughs> yeah. I also love that Harley was still wearing her Cobb Squad hat, which for me, just like, I love it when a show keeps the continuity going. Like, it doesn't just throw something in one episode and lets it go. Like, dude, Cobb Squad, don't forget. In fact, I, I felt it was an awesome theme when we get over to Wayne Tower because, you know, basically the advice given to Harley is do what makes her feel happy. So she goes off to Wayne Tower to the bar up there. And we discover how safe it is because much like uh, the uh, invisible plane scenario going to Themyscira, Wayne Tower is actually bulletproof glass. So all the parademons running around the city, yes, don't forget, they're they're still loose. Uh, (laughs) Can't get in. They keep actually going curse flat on the windows, which was one of my favorite moments to sort of set the atmosphere. But that doesn't seem to be the biggest surprise that Harley discovers while she's at the uh, bar. Brad, uh, what did you think about what Harley learns? I just ha- I admire the tenacity and stick with itness of Gotham citizens that they can still find it in themselves to go out to a nice dinner when there's parademons attacking the city. So <laughs> you, you Gothamites are made of strong stuff. And I, I did get a chuckle out of the guy trying to explain that the John Mayer sound didn't really develop until his third album. <laughs> and of course we see a kind of familiar face uh, behind the bar. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Well, you know, I, I was initially struck by the John Mayer guy just out of like that, that 30 seconds of, of listening to him that we get, I was like, wow, he really is boring. Like that's, that, that's kind of when someone's at rock bottom and they're just looking for someone to take their mind off of someone else. You have to be a specific kind of boring to not make the cut. And that man did it. And uh, I mean, honestly, kudos to him for that. But uh, 
as far as the, I mean, I guess it's Gotham. So to an extent, the, the citizens of Gotham must be just really used to stupid, super powered shit happening. So I assume they're just like, yeah, it's, it's another, it's Tuesday. The Joker popped out of a building not too long ago. Batman's always doing some crazy stuff. Uh, and now there's parademons, but they still want that dinner and that's fine. Um, and as for the, the surprise behind the bar, I mean, it's our, our, I, I, does he have a normal person name? I don't know, but boring Joker is, you know, he's here and he's had a meteoric rise through the bartending industry. And yeah, this is, this is kind of par for the course. You go out to get over somebody and you run into an ex. That's yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Seth, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, 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 I chuckle at the fact that the, uh, the meteoric rise, because having been a barback who became a bartender, it happens like overnight. It's like one minute you're just getting your ass kicked, like getting ice, <laughs> cutting lemons and limes, cutting your hands, getting lemon and lime juice and just being like, fuck, I don't get tipped enough for this goddamn shit. Maybe almost enough, but not quite enough. And then one of the bartenders is like, I hate it here. I quit. And if you know a couple of drinks, you bump up. But I love the idea of him like taking it to a very elevated scale of being like, oh, yeah, that's when I was barbacking at some slum place. And now I've made the meteoric rise all the way up here. Isn't it astronomical? You should be surprised. I know I am. And I am every time I tell it to someone. <laughs> at some moment, I'm pausing like, dude. Kind of happens a lot, but I love your enthusiasm and I love the feeling that it's, it's, it's all him, you know, that, you know, he's doing this, he's making a big go of it. Now, granted, he was pouring three drinks at once and looks pretty smooth in the process. And I didn't catch any maniacal there. So I, I am struggling to think, I, I want to feel like his name was like Bill or something like that, or at least it, that's the name that for some reason was immediately associated with the quote unquote humanized form of the Joker. But we also get the chance to talk about the fact that, yeah, Gothamites are very strong. They're, they're not even sweating the fact that we haven't even seen Batman around recently. Have we? He's still recuperating, although he's making his presence known and he's looking for those who can help him out, which gives us a chance to kind of shift gears to the fact that we've also got Jim Gordon doing his best as, you know, the guy in charge to send out um, – I think a very interesting squad of men and one single woman in each squad to uh, to handle what's going on with the parademons. How did you like this check-in with uh, Gordon and the fact that he gets a call up to the roof and, and the chance to maybe play a bigger part? We, we see how that works out. But I would just... I, I do hope that he can find uh, a doctor to get... Uh prescription for the clement on his knob so i, I do hope that once the parademons are done he can he can figure that out and I, i'm so happy for the poor guy that he got to uh to go into the batwing and not exactly fly it at that point but at least be in it and he was you know when he, when he opens that box that he thinks was the new dave barry book and it's and it's Batman. That look on his face, he's so excited. It's like, oh, you go, Jim. <laughs> what about you, Kelly? Jim Gordon has some horrifying medical conditions. I mean, I, I believe, <laughs> have we already passed that he has anal polyps, too? Like, there's a, there might be some reasons why his wife was 
having some hesitation about all that. But like that. <laughs> I, he's, he's adorable, though. He's so excited to see. Uh, he's he's so excited to be a part of Batman's whole mystique, and whether or not he's fully um, capable is another question. But yeah, I, I love the enthusiasm. I can't be mad at that. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully he finds a doctor and maybe he doesn't strike me currently as a character that's getting laid a lot. So maybe he should kind of look into why it is that these things are popping up for him. Like, are they longstanding issues? Is there a, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. Seth, what about you? I have many questions. Okay. And, and I also, I, I first question the importance of being in charge of a police department and sharing with your officers the horrifying degree of <clears throat> said chlamydia as pointed out by uh, Brad so well and highlighted that <laughs> that is apparently how fast these uh, you know infestations of parademons which then makes me picture it's the parademons who are attacking his knob and certainly, you know, or maybe like if you're personifying your disease. So, yeah. And then Kelly, you pointed out, like, I have a concern because if that's what's happening in front and we do know about the polyps mentioned for the back, like, okay, dude, like, do we even, you, you were smoking and drinking a lot. Do we need to worry about like throat cancer? Like what the fuck's going on with you? I, I love you. And as you pointed out, he is so adorable, which is why it's so great to cheer for him now that he's sort of recovered from that very sad state he was in before. And now is, again, like you pointed out, so earnest about, like, yeah, I can't wait to get the fuck back out there. And me and my, um, I mean, he would like it to be a very personal relationship with Batman, but I don't think that's what Batman's looking for, which is why there's that degree of separation when he does get up to the roof. He's like, oh, wow, I get the bat wing, sort of. I can't wait. Let's get me out there. It's going to be awesome. And we also kind of use this opportunity then to, you know, check in on the fact that, well, Dr. Psycho hasn't gone away. In fact, poor size dozing in the lair when Psycho arrives, and we also get some fun little back and forth with Riddler, who, don't forget, is still powering the place by running on a giant hamster wheel. Uh, <laughs> again, gotta love the continuity. Cobb Squad, Riddler on the wheel, come on, guys. Like, you gotta appreciate the fact, right? Episode to episode, there's that, there's that feeling. So, Brad, what'd you think about the check-in and, and what we learned about, you know, how Psycho's taking everything? What a vindictive little prick he is. Uh, this is this is uh, really where he shows his his true colors. And I think we kind of all agree. We may have even talked about this before that he's he's obviously the most unlikable for some real reasons uh, of of the group. So seeing him goes not the end of the world. But he yeah, he's really showing his true colors here. And even how he likes to torture the Riddler is proof of how vindictive he can be. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Yeah, I I wasn't surprised that that he, um, you know, he's at this point where he's kid, quitting the group and yada yada. I was disappointed, though. I, I had hoped that maybe he would. I don't know. I don't really know. I can't say that I necessarily hoped that he would develop in, into a better angry little man but I, I i guess i did um 
but really, I mean, what what stood out to me was Sai is just so for for the landlord who really had nothing to do with this crew initially and was just trying to get Ivy evicted. He's really ride or die for Harley. I mean, I, I love his line. You leave the dance with the one you came with. That is like, I love that. He's he's just so wholesomely supportive. And yeah, I mean, Psycho, Psycho can fuck off. It's, a, I, he, he gets what he deserves. I, I will leave it at that. But yeah, I don't know. Psycho just, you could have been better, man. You could have, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We started off with a C word with him, so I'm not really sure how much higher he could have gone. What do you think, Seth? <laughs> oh, psycho. If there is ever anyone to embody the small man complex, it is psycho. Uh, <laughs> doesn't help that he appears to come up to the kneecaps on most people, but he clearly is intimidated and overcompensating. And man, as you pointed out, Kelly, like, yeah, like, Sai, he seemed very peripheral at first, and gradually he has become like that, not quite father, but, you know, weird, somewhat dangerous, somewhat scary uncle, you know, the one who, like, I know someone who is like, yeah, so, you know, I have this uncle who still parties and is single and likes to mention the fact that he still occasionally or maybe frequently will, uh, proposition hookers and do a certain amount of very dangerous drugs while you know yeah exactly and i sort of chuckle like and this is an uncle and he's like oh yeah yeah no it's it's kind of creepy you got to keep him away from the younger ones if he shows up at a family and i was like okay so sai kind of falls into that category you know i'm not accusing sai of propositioning hookers certainly not but he has mentioned along the way in our journey that he did some pretty nasty stuff on the part of the U.S. for the CIA, and, you know, I mean, he knows where most of the bodies are buried, and the rest he's too drunk, you know, to recall. But, yeah, ride or die. Like, what, what, a, what a, you know, big heart he's developed for Harley. And, and I love the fact that we get a chance to, like, see just how big that heart can get. I, I, I do agree, you know, Brad, like, what a seriously vindictive little prick little shit maybe a little shit with a little prick whatever i'm not trying to get into a size with the guy like those jokes are too easy these days it's like low hanging fruit hey so with that <laughs> we get to come back to the fact that we've got wayne tower which for all its safety and security and bulletproof glassery uh you know should be relatively safe and and gotham lights are there happily dining along but then there's the interior and it seems like right when Joker has that, do I know you sort of moment with Harley and she's about to to storm off, we learn not only what a Wayne fashioned is, but we get an interruption by robbers who are, well, I think they're more adorable than psycho. But that's my opinion. Brad, what do you think about this? <laughs> uh, you First thing is the Joker is one thing that I like about the Joker at this point is that. I don't know if he is playing a game or is he really not sh- does not remember being the Joker. And he has those moments where Harley slaps him back into reality where he's almost slipping. But I always wonder if it's an act or not. And I, I, and I like that about about this episode uh, and the robbers. Yeah. You know, uh, how 
crazy would that be to be robbing somebody and say, I need $50 million, and then somebody you kidnap says, oh, I can wire it to you right now, and you don't take the offer? Like, what's wrong with you guys? But we'll find out later in the episode. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Yeah, I was stunned how ready the the Wayne Tower clientele was to deal with these these host- or robbers, because, I mean, yeah, $50 million, no big deal. I'll wire it to you. And then you know, a couple minutes later, he's like, and I need, you know, what, a, a nuclear warhead or something. And the other guy's like, yeah, fine. I, I got it. Like, what did, just don't shoot us. What do you want? <laughs> like, that is, I mean, Gotham really is a collection of fascinating individuals. I, I don't think there is another restaurant in the world where you could walk in to rob the place, demand $50 million in nuclear weapons, and just table one and table three has it for you. That's insane. Good for them, though. Good, good for for Gotham um but yeah I I do actually really enjoy these robbers towards the end they have a very um very colorful inner life a lot going on a lot of layers to their character and we I mean we don't get to see very much of them but yeah I I love that what about you Seth yeah this one made me chuckle uh, you know, the idea that this is a uh, <laughs> hostile a hostage situation. <laughs> and then one of the guys fires a gun. He's like, hey, come on now. It's not that guy. Sorry, he's new. We're not trying to be that threatening right off the bat. <laughs> like, from that moment on, any anyone who breaks in and uh, threatens with guns and then apologizes when said gun goes off, you, you sort of, I did at least go, oh, look at you. You're like, you're, you're trying to bring back the the genteel quality that can be exhibited by classy criminals. That's, that's sweet. Uh, <laughs> and we do learn that there, there is more, there's a great deal of subjects to these, uh, to these robbers, thieves. And uh, Brad, as, as you pointed out so well, yes. Um, how phenomenal is it that, that you can just say, I want 50 mil in, in one table. Yeah. And then Kelly, as you pointed out also, like, how amazing how prepared they are to just offer up the terms immediately you need some what military grade stuff i got you now i love that that's not enough and then the robber has to up the ante with a pair of game worn <laughs> og <Yeah>. george twos <laughs> and i'm like damn son is that like saved in your ebay like you know favorite section like i get it but shit that's yeah. gonna take a minute you know uh, <laughs> So I do love the fact that also during all of this, Harley has no desire to get involved. Absolutely no desire. In fact, she's doing her damnedest to get out of there, which is interesting because it allows uh, non-Joker, that's going to be my nickname for him right now, to explain his his belief and what he's learned about how to deal with these types of situations. It, it appears to be very submissive in nature, which Harley's not into. And she actually just wants to get the fuck out of there but that leads to a pistol whipping and suddenly being handcuffed face to face with non-joker and then we start to get more of that what you described that that feeling of like is this an act how much is he toying or how much fun is it that the writers are having with us because they're teasing us with stuff like a dream where the events sound very similar to past events that we've had a chance to watch on the show How'd you like this series of events and, you know, the interaction uh, between Harley and Don Joker, as I'm still calling? Uh, this again, I, I feel for Harley. She's having a bad night 
trying to get over a potentially devastating weekend. So I wanted her to have have a break. And being handcuffed to your most toxic ex is not a good way to spend an evening, even if they don't remember who they are. Um, but yeah, again, I don't know if I'm buying Joker's passive act or not. So we shall see. What about you, Kelly? I kind of buy it, but I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about what if he's faking it. Although I will say that, you know, their their little pep talk in the vent, her, you know, I, I believe they call it having a real vent in a literal vent, which is adorable. But he does seem genuinely supportive. And, and, and when she mentions the Joker, he, or, you know, alludes to the Joker. I, di- I didn't necessarily get the sense that he immediately knew that, she was talking about him, but then he could just be seriously committed to the act. So I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, I guess the universe works in some unpredictable ways. And yeah, I, I mean, maybe this is what Harley needs to be handcuffed to her worst ex to help her figure out her situation with Ivy. I mean, he gives some solid advice and I have to assume that, like all the other advice that Harley's gotten throughout this show, she's not going to listen to it. But, yeah, he he does give some solid advice in there. What do you think, Seth? He does seem very genuine, right? And so earnest. And, And I love that they try and give him that sort of grounded, sweet guy quality earlier when he's like, yeah, you know. Uh, my girlfriend and her kids. Well, they're not really my kids, but I love them so much. I think of them as mine, and she's the best thing ever. And we communicate. And, you know what I mean? Like he's really trying to sell the idea of like I've got a partner who I love, which is why I'm actually not hitting on you, Harley. And you're you're kind of the opposite of like everything I would want. Can you imagine? In fact, that's what he references the idea of like, isn't it kind of crazy that I would have this dream about you and I being together when like you're so opposite from me? It's a challenge there because I agree, you know, with both of you that, that, okay, do I believe this? Is he full of shit? Is this just a great psychological game where he can, you know, chuck him to himself while like, you know, watching the wheels spin in their head? Oh, fuck. Who is this guy? What the fuck? What's going You know what I mean? Like, I could totally see him doing something like that. Or I could also see this being like this suppressed personality that's like some, you know, development of being... 99% of the time, a totally evil dick. So uh, <laughs> I do love that he says cute stuff like, yeah, having a vent and a little event. And I also like the fact that, you know, he's uh, he's not it's almost like he's disassociating from those moments you mentioned, Brad, where he's like slipping in and out because, you know, later when he gets into it with uh, with that one guard, um, he ends up pulling the uh, Pencil stab eye thing, which feels very Joker-esque. If you, you know, think about Dark Knight and others, <laughs> this was a different take, but a similar move. And so, but then when he sees it, he blames Harley. He's like, "Oh God, did you kill someone else? What the fuck?" And you, you okay? What? What? Ah, okay, what is this guy? Like, what's what's really going on? Um, <laughs> And weirdly, this is also sort of a moment where Harley fesses up and says, yeah, so things are pretty shitty right now because I confess to my friend that I love them and they confess to me that they don't trust me. 
is it weird that non-Joker is so humanizing that he can be someone she's one to confide in, even though he's the twisted version of an ex or the untwisted version of an ex who she would never trust with something so sensitive because it would ordinarily mean just ridicule. Quick thought on that before we, you know, keep pressing on through this episode. I just wonder what you guys thought about that kind of choice to have this weird thing where it's like, not only is she stuck with the guy, but at some point he actually is the one person she can confide in about the shit that happened last episode. What do you think about it? Uh, definitely a conundrum for her but um you know maybe maybe like kelly was saying like maybe that's kind of what she needed and he you know like like you both said too is that he did give good advice so you know um yeah i i think maybe in the end that was the best thing to happen and i think that sometimes in life that can happen too you can have these situations where you think it's the worst thing that could happen. And then other things happen and you look back and you think, thank God that happened. So that could be kind of one of those, one of those things. What about you, Kelly? I mean, of course the, the Joker may not know that he is Harley's ex, but I mean, weirdly enough, I was, when, when you were were just talking, Brad, I kind of thought but I, I actually was once in a situation where I gave an ex-boyfriend advice about his current relationship. And it was kind of like, uh, yeah, it's like, well, you know what? I know you well enough to know what your actual issue is. And so here is the genuine advice. Here is probably what you're doing wrong. And so, yeah, I mean, it's in some situations, weirdly enough, that person from your past who you absolutely don't want to talk to and don't want involved in you know, whatever chaos you're going through now might be the person who can point out like that, that thing that you don't see about yourself, but in very sparing situations, because I, I will say that that probably is a super rare circumstance. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's weirdly believable, because uh, what he tells her is more or less the truth. It's what she needed to hear. And he doesn't seem to have any, um, any hangups about Ivy, which I don't know if that's a point more for Joker knows who he is or a point more for he doesn't. But yeah, I mean, this is this is where she is. <laughs> She's, she just needs to stop making bad decisions at some point. Yeah, I'd like to be able to do that. Stop making bad decisions. I don't know. Check back with me. I'm still prone to it. I mean, I don't do a lot of the stuff that led to me making, you know, as many bad decisions, but <laughs> it can happen. Um, and I got a kick out of the fact that it was a really interesting way for the, the writers to show us just, I mean, could you imagine if this was the Joker that Harley had met? It, it was a, a, a weird glimpse at, you know, I mean, granted, we have the Omniverse, so we've had a chance to enjoy what multiple versions of people can look like and the differences and all that. But I love this sort of weird alternate reality idea of, her confessing and confiding and uh, as you point out, a Brad conundrum, definitely Kelly love the personal story. <laughs> what a great example. You know what I mean? Because actually I've, I've heard that from my wife. Like she knew someone uh, that she was involved with. And then later, uh, I don't know how the conversation was, but he was talking about his current girlfriend about something. And she was like, Okay, look, I know you well enough to say what I'm about to say. <laughs> Boom. Um, so I got a kick out of that. And I just love that 
it's not something everyone experiences, but if you have experienced, it's one of those things you can connect with because it's such a great slice of life. But we're left wondering just how much of what we think is going on in that scenario is going on because we have a new uh, introduction, a new opportunity. Oh, that's a terrible. No, it's not a new introduction. We have a new uh, opportunity for a character who we referenced so far in this episode to kind of join everything that's going on. And uh, it starts out with exactly what Gordon is doing in the Batwing and why it is he's so interested in going to Wayne Tower. Brad, what do you think about where we find Gordon, how he's handling it, what his role basically is, and why it is he's so amped to get over to Wayne Tower? Uh, you know, again, poor Jim, but you got to love him. Uh, and I uh, I just loved him in the Batwing. So as much as he wanted to get to Wayne Tower, I kind of didn't want him to get there quite yet. I wanted to have him a few more adventures. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's really hard not to root for him and root for him in this scene as well. Uh, what about you, Kelly? God, yeah, I wish I, I wish there were more wins for Jim. I mean, it, to be fair, he and Batman have patched up their friendship and he's getting to at least ride around in the bat plane. But yeah, I mean, he just he spots trouble. He's ready to go for it. Batman is still out of commission and apparently can't even blow on his own soup. So, I mean, yeah, Jim is the guy. <laughs> right. That is the I don't think I was even Hands that ballsy as a kid. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Which, and I I think Alfred's one of the unsung heroes of this this episode, because we've seen how he's dealt with Bruce wanting to, you know, uh, get back on the horse before he's ready. But just the fact that 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 snarkiness is still there and he's still like, well, you're still broken. You're still here and you could wait for your soup to cool is hilarious. But anyway, Jim, uh, God, yeah, I I really wish that Batman would just, you know, teach him to to fly the bat plane, let him go on a few missions, give him give him a little confidence boost. Um, cuz yeah, he's he's going to get to Wayne Tower and figure stuff out, but that does indeed shorten his time with the bat plane. Uh, Seth, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I I do have to say Alfred his I I I wonder what his sort of feeling is where he's like nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, almost always, I have to plead with you to not go out there and fight crime. And now you're listening to me. And yet in the process, in order to continue this behavior, uh, yeah, I'm going to blow on your soup until it's cool enough for you. to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's like there's a commitment <laughs> at that point. And also like, uh, I just had to chuckle like, wow. Bruce Wayne, he's a little spoiled, just a tiny bit. He has no problem, like, being the whiny, spoiled kid for a minute. Like, it's too hot. Blow on there. Come on. Um, (laughs) Which, then, if you imagine that same grown-up person wearing a Batman costume and saying that, um, as we get the chance to at least see with the cow, like, yeah, it's pretty good stuff. And poor Jim, he looks so bored in that seat. (laughs) Like, he's, like, in the passenger side. Your hands between his legs and <laughs> slumped over. <laughs> so, of course, he sees gunfire, Wayne Tower, you know, uh, let daddy back in there. <laughs> Which I think is a 
concerned anytime a grown man refers to himself as daddy. Like, don't get me wrong. If whatever scenario in your life, you have someone who calls you daddy and that's how your thing goes. Awesome. You know what I mean? That's what works for you. But should you feel the need to refer to yourself as daddy is where I like kind of pause. Like, yeah, unless you're doing it. No, in jest. no one ever should. <laughs> right. Like I get it in jest if you're like, you know, making fun of something and, and being satirical. But otherwise, thank you, Kelly. I agree. Um, Brad, I believe you agree with me. You don't even have to voice it, brother. The guy behind Felicky Fashions would definitely. So I'm with that. Uh, <laughs> but we, we get to find out just what it is that's bugging Gordon about, you know, he's he keeps trying to get out there full throttle. And everything's getting in his way. Now he finally has a chance to get in there, you know, kick some ass, you know, get some action, um, which, you know, like you also don't want to hear the older guy be like, I want to get some action because it just sounds creepy. Um, But we thankfully get the chance to shift away from that for a second and discover what happens when Harley and Joker do get out of the vent. And... uh, (laughs) We discover that Riddler was not as securely uh, imprisoned as Psycho made it out when he was hanging out with Psy. And not only that, but Riddler's there because, well, he's actually very involved with all of the events that have transpired recently. And it was all actually part of a much larger devious plan. Brad, what do you think about uh, Riddler's appearance here and what we discover? Uh, that is why he was asking for those game-worn Jordans. He was trying to buy some time because he was <laughs> in on the plot all along. Um, yeah, this is, again, one of those moments where true colors of characters are are revealed. And uh, we also kind of get to see, again, the kind of inner workings of our robbers or at least their personal lives a little bit. One guy wants to spend more time with his kids. Um, and that's kind of a nice little deviation from what we get from most, uh, henchmen. So that was, that was kind of amusing, but yeah, man, this, uh, Dr. Psycho's gotta go. What about you, Kelly? It was adorable, the henchman with, with you know, wanting to, to spend time with his kids. But then Harley hits him with a cancer ray. And I agree with Harley. Why in the world did anyone make that? That was my, my like, main question coming out of that <laughs> yeah, scene. <absolutely. laughs> like, yeah, I, the poor man. <laughs> he screams, Harley Quinn gave me cancer. And it's just like, oh, that's a terrible thing to say about anybody. And it's a terrible thing to do to someone. But... Wow, um, there's some weird tech at Wayne Industries, and I think I don't, I don't, I don't know what I don't, I don't know how we would explore that further. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I should have seen it coming that the Riddler was going to end up, uh, you know, tied into all of this because there's no way he's just been peacefully running on a hamster wheel for the past, uh, I don't know, I figure it's been about a week in Showtime. Um, yeah, this just, it, it sucks. And I do actually love that Harley's not at all concerned that how did you get out of, you know, the wheel in the mall? She's like, how did you get so ripped? Because, like, I mean, yeah, you can't run on a hamster wheel for 
however long he's been doing it without uh without having some serious physical effects i mean good for him that's uh you know healthy lifestyle healthier riddler uh not the not the best plan for the people of gotham but still what do you think seth (laughs) i love that it's it's this moment where you know one we realize just how crafty riddler is and how he's you know, been the guy pulling the strings for uh, the robbery and everything else, and that it's this helmet that he wants to get, which is interesting because villains seeking helmets usually know that it's generally designed for some sort of brain amplification, and that he uh, <laughs> he is also very proud of his newfound physique, uh, quads and calves and all. But I love that it's him recognizing non-Joker as joker with normal skin and then uh taking a shot at them that leads them into the room where yeah we've got two henchmen having a cigarette trying to just like hash out how they live their lives when they're not busy being henchmen and then yeah harley quinn gave me cancer that that that's a line i <laughs> i'm sure the actor was like dude guess what i got to say today don't no 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 even better want to hear it <laughs> and yeah i'm gonna agree with you kelly and brad why, why the fuck did they make cancer rays like dude what's happening at wayne tech that they make this shit and why is it so important more importantly what else is there to be afraid of and worried about because clearly a paralyzing device that's used on uh <laughs> that's used on harley um well it gives us the chance to see that moment that i was talking about earlier when joker non-joker uh breaks out the pencil stabs uh poor kevin now we know their names we've humanized them it's like naming the lobsters how can you steam them now uh poor kevin gets the stab in the eye thinks that it's harley and uh well that scene then leads them to be you know it's almost like they got chased out from riddler now they're getting chased out from this one And who do we stumble into? Well, it's Gordon, who is about to make the biggest arrest of his lifetime. But that's not the biggest thing that's going to happen. Guys, what do you think about how we're slowly moving to a rooftop, well, climactic conclusion? Yeah, I'll I'll check out with that. Brad, what do you think? I I did kind of feel good for Gordon that he was standing up there with, your king sharks and clay faces and you're not exactly heavy hitters but heavier than he's used to hanging out with so he's he's almost getting his day uh but poor Sai, uh he makes uh makes the uh, ultimate sacrifice and <laughs> what seems for me to be a theme of this episode is true colors being shown because Sai really showed his true colors when he sacrificed himself and, and really was honest with how much he did care about Harley and the gang. So that was, yeah, that was that was pretty sad to see him go. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Yeah, uh, for Sai, I he really did come through in the end. And I mean, of course, it's so psychos, you know being psycho and recruiting people to help him take over the world, which he hasn't even. Like, he hasn't even told us specifically why it is that he wants control of the world. What is he going to do with it? What's he like? What does he want to change? What? I I mean, I I don't I don't know. He seems like that's I mean, it's the overcompensating thing, I guess. He just seems like the type where he wants to take over the world because he wants people to think he's significant. 
But Sai, just by being a good-ass friend and a, a apparently a landlord that's willing to go above and beyond, uh, you know, does this huge personal sacrifice and clearly makes more of an impact in anyone's life than Saigo probably ever will. Um, and yeah, Jim, <laughs> I mean, he, he's there when he needs to be there. How much he really adds to the situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, he, he gets the Joker, non-Joker identified cuffed and in the, the back of the bat plane. And that's definitely something. Um, it just, uh, I, I really just wish he had one of those, those big, uh, I don't know. I wish he got to have his big hero moment. And it's also, I wonder if he ever like looks at Clayface and thinks about Clayface's hand and misses his friend. It didn't come up, but I do wonder. What do you think, Seth? I'll always wonder about that after we saw the episode with the tattoo. Like, you know, there's there's a great feeling that I have that he had that little hand tattoo on his chest when he was taken back to the city. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's ready to go for it. Um, I, I do love that in this one, Gordon gets that moment where he gets to tackle a Joker who doesn't know he's the Joker. Um, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, Psycho shows up, total jerk, realizes he can't actually beat Harley and her friends because between the three of them, you know, Clay, Shark, and Psy, they're, they're chumming up again, did it, um, and chewing up the parademons, like left, right, and the other. So then, of course, Psycho, because he can't fight, you know, at all, has to take control of them on top of the uh, parademons. And then it's Psy who, who makes the amazing heroic sacrifice. I love that he can't be controlled because, again, metal plates uh, because just to add to the legacy of Psy, like he's had every physical alteration possible because of the consequences of being, you know, the guy that he was when he was younger. Um, and and quite the sacrifice, Brad, as you described it, showing the true colors. Like, yeah, you got to love it. And Kelly, I, I, I do love that they're like, well, Gordon still got his moment. Yeah, a lot of those shit happened afterwards that people might remember more. But God damn it, Gordon had a. He had a moment, but here's the thing that stuck with me when I was thinking about it. At one point, non-Joker says, call Ivy. And what's the one reason that Harley can't do it? Because she doesn't want to involve her in another mess she made and yet again prove right. Now, I'm curious if that would have saved any additional lives, given that we know how powerful Ivy is and what sort of damage she could. I mean, basically... If she called Ivy, would she have had to admit that she made another mess and yet Cy would still be alive? Uh, wonder about that real quick. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, there's a moment where I'm like, okay, did your pride just kill Cy? Just to check on that. Like, <laughs> is the fact that you were too worried about looking oh, bad no. Cy sacrifice? Because that's not what we call an equal trade. <laughs> like, that's not a good no. part. Yeah. And, and not only that, but, you know, <laughs> I'm stuck with the fact that I think Psycho only wanted to take over the city with Darkseid. I don't think he even got to the world part yet. Like, I think <clears throat> he doesn't have... What? <laughs> what in the world does he think he's going to do with a bunch of flying demons? I mean, <laughs> Gotham's already fucked. I think world domination. That's me. Go for this. Go for <laughs> You know what I mean? If you end up with just a continent, what's the worst? But... <laughs> Also, what did you think of the parting gift from Cy to Harley? You know, here's my eye. As long as you have this, you'll always... And it wasn't like a clean little, like, here. It's, it was like, 
here's the whole stem that attaches to the brain. There you go. <laughs> How then go of him? I mean, <laughs> I, I would, out of just sheer politeness, I would take it too. And I, I don't know what I would do with it when I got home though. Like I, where do you put something like that? In the freezer, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, it looked to me like a robotic guy, so I don't even know if I'd need to put it in the freezer. Maybe just put it on a shelf. And oh, true, true, true. See if you okay. can like freak out people when they come to visit you. <laughs> like, look at my dead friend's eye. <laughs> right? Or what if you just like hooked it up to your computer and that's what you used as your camera? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that honors his memory, but I might try it. <laughs> All I know is you don't take that thing in the bathroom because you take a shower and that eye is going to be looking. I just know that much. I mean, I love Sai, but he's a dirty <laughs> old man. Um, you know, beautiful sacrifice from a dirty old man. So <laughs> now it would seem that his sacrifice and disrupting the force field and uh, Psycho essentially uh, getting taken out or at least stopped at this point enough that everyone can get away, there's the fact that you need more power, given how much power Psycho has at his disposal right now. He still has control of the parademons. And, well, it could take something as mighty as, say, the Justice League. Problem is, only the Joker side of non-Joker thinks he remembers that because yet again these dreams these pesky dreams that we know are actually his memories of the past could hold the very clue and yet in order to do it harley is going to have to give up this humanized version of her ex-boyfriend and big bring back the true and utter fucking dickhead so you know <laughs> do the greater good suffer the the consequences what do you guys think of the moral dilemma facing harley and the way we are forced to leave things in uh this episode brett uh, i th i think that uh she is growing a bit and is willing to face the consequences for the greater good uh getting the justice league out of the book of fables so in Joker goes to the vet of chemicals that uh, made him the first time. So what a, what a cliffhanger to leave the episode on, you know? Um, so that was, that was interesting. It seems like the last few episodes did kind of leave on cliffhangers, which you don't necessarily get all the time with animated shows. So that was, that was kind of a neat little twist. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Harley Quinn, it grows up and, you know, is willing to sacrifice for that common good. Uh, what about you, Kelly? I do like seeing her, you know, own up to what she's done and she's ready to to take the, the necessary steps to fix the world. But they didn't maybe think, why don't we just like pop by normal Joker's house for a minute and like see if they can find the book, uh, you know, before throwing him in the vat? Because I like... I don't know. I, I feel like the vat was a big step to take. I, I think first I'd be like, okay, so you've seen the book. Let's let's check your house, maybe uh, check your car anywhere that you've been regularly since, uh, you know, since Gotham exploded. And yeah. And, and then if I couldn't find it, then I'd be like, all right, back in the acid he goes. But 
yeah, they, they just kind of go right for the acid. And I mean, it definitely has the right dramatic effect, but I just, I'm thinking logically, I might've tried like a couple other options first because the Joker is the fucking worst. Uh, what do you think, Seth? Uh, I grew up on television, so where the fuck's the hypnotherapy? Because goddammit, I've seen enough in TV. You hypnotize the guy, person, whatever. You get the answers, you get the fuck out. They don't remember anything. You keep non-Joker. Life is good. This is my thinking. Yeah, can't we, I was raised can't on Can't we get the right? hypnotode? Come on, <laughs> dude. Like, yes. Can we get <laughs> the fucking hypnotode? <laughs> And and also, like, in my head at that time, I remember the first time I was watching this, I was like, isn't the Justice League still in the Book of Fables? Don't we remember this? Or, ah, okay, I'm going to be okay. Because instead of considering many other possibilities, we need to go drastic. Now, granted, you know, maybe it had to do with the fact that Sai's final words were, I regret many things or lots of things right before he kicks the bucket. <laughs> maybe that's haunting. You know, maybe she was worried that if she kept trying to stall, she'd have more regrets. Um, I don't know. I, I just know that basically when Gordon's dropping them off at his chemicals, my, my wheels were already turning like, oh, fuck, don't. Don't, 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 don't. And nope, there you go, do it. You know, <laughs> don't go into the <laughs> the chemical factory. Look what you did. Now you're walking on the catwalk. Please don't stand near the giant. That, <sighs> fine, you're going to do it. You're going to, and you know, you kind of just, I don't know. For me, I could just feel it where it was like, this isn't something I can fix. And yet I also felt like, damn it, is this still you not willing to ask Ivy for help? That's putting us in this situation because I kind of feel like that could have happened too, and I kind of feel like since Ivy can hypnotize men and control them, she probably could have access to memory too. I'm gonna go that far. I'm gonna be that fucking guy. I'm okay with it. Maybe it's a dick move. I'm good by it. Um, and then weirdly, she says, "I'll be seeing you, Mister J," which I don't know. Like if I had an abusive person who had a kind of you know a nickname that they encourage me to call them i don't think that would be the like bloody mary sort of phrase i would want to repeat more than once in order to summon them back before i kick them into a vat of acid that i definitely know is going to cause it or whatever chemical you know what i mean like am i am i just pontificating yeah. you know but i kind of mm -hmm. feel like you know it's like if you're with someone and they were like always calling you sweet cheeks or something and suddenly you're like, don't worry, your sweet cheeks will be here. You know, I'd be like, OK, did I just debase myself in a sad way? Did I just dehumanize? I don't know. I was kind of troubled by it. So got a little weird for me. And Brad, I have to yeah. point out, yeah, you're, you're right with the yeah, you're with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I felt like the cliffhanger side was something that we've had in these last few episodes, clearly building the tension that we're coming to the um, big moments in a significant arc and that there's going to be a lot of unanswered questions that you can't find out until the next episode. Like who, what kind of joke are we going to deal with when he comes out and how much are we going to fucking regret this? Cause I'm pretty certain I'm regretting it for Harley right now. And we haven't even gotten to the next episode, but with that, keeping in mind, Sal's, I would get lots of things, and maybe she's accepted that. But as you point out, too, maybe some growth and maturity on her part, her willingness to, like, go for it. I just, 
I also wonder how much of this is because of her still not willing to ask for help from people who could. So with that, yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting ending. I got a kick out of, you know, the final decision and how we're left biting our nails until next episode. And now I just have to ask guys what I miss, you know, was there any big moments for you that you're like, I'd love to just sort of touch on the fact that this or, you know, favorite quote or something else somewhere along the line, because, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but you know, my, the reason I love that whole uh, pussies are powerful is because she follows it up with, they birthed all humanity. And I didn't mention that earlier and I should. So with that, is there something that either I didn't mention or we didn't cover on this episode or quote or something else you want to add in? Cause you're like, God damn it. Better do it before the episode comes to a close. Brad? Uh, you know, not really. I think we, we covered uh, most of, you know, what I what I wanted to talk about with the episode. So I, I think we covered everything. What about you, Kelly? You know, I think the one thing that I haven't said anything about yet is I loved how supportive Clayface and King Shark were when they thought that the Riddler and uh, Psycho's team up was them coming out. They were so ready to accept him. Oh. That was adorable. But sadly, that's not what was happening. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I think for me, it would have to be when uh, Harley's kind of recovered from how buff Riddler is. And she's realizing, you know, actually, he's not quite as sharp, not quite as quick. As you might normally be. And then she refers to his uh, <clears throat> Ninja Turtle caps, which I felt was just such a specific reference. <laughs> mm. You know, it kind of reminded me of, like, <laughs> you know, uh, Guardians when, you know, it's, I think it was the first Guardians of the Galaxy when he's like, I, Ninja Turtle, get the fuck off me. <laughs> like, I'm warning you. <laughs> and I felt like every, you know, when you make a reference like that, you're definitely calling out, a spe- you know. Very specific group of folks who like <laughs> read the comics, remember the movie. <laughs> so I felt that was probably one of those ones that I just had to share and and add in there. Like, yeah, should I ever find myself in a place and I get to use that, I will let you guys know because there's something about Ninja Turtle Cast. And uh, and with that, folks, that brings us to the end of Die Hard. This was episode number twenty three of Mad Love. I've been lucky enough to be your host and hang out with uh, two really amazing people. And should you want to follow up on their amazingness and who knows, reach out, share a word, ask a question, Brad and Kelly going to let you know how to do that. Brad with you first, my friend, how can the good uh, people find you? You can find me uh, writing news reviews, dccomicsnews.com. You can find me on the main DC comics news podcast and you can follow me on Twitter at flicky B1. And Kelly, where can the good people find you? Um, you can find me doing opinion, editorial, and news pieces for DC Comics News. You can also find me on the main DC Comics News podcast. Um, you can find me on DC Comics News YouTube doing DCN After Dark with my co-host Tony. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Kel Gaines Wright. Sweet. And you can find me here. You can find me hanging out with these amazing people right here at DC Comics News. Find me uh, hanging out with them on the weekly podcast on uh, the Spinner Rack, where I host and pick my top five picks from each week uh, when we're doing episodes of Mad Love. And it gets just a little bit silly and sometimes just a bit body. 
And in the meantime, you know, look forward to new episodes from Kelly on DC and After Dark, her and Tony. You've got Flicky Fashions one day coming down the road. I know that some bitch going to happen. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> stopping saying it, goddammit. I'm calling that shit. Um, it's like Babe Ruth pointing the goddamn finger. Yes, that's going to happen. You've also got amazing other episode-by-episode shows like this, like I Am The Night. And you can make sure you catch all of it just by hitting subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And you got a question that you want to send out to the whole gang at DC comics news at capital D capital C capital C O M I C S capital N E W S. Use that tag on your favorite social media channel, whether it's reaching out to Kelly on YouTube or finding the rest of us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Use that. Let us know what you're thinking what we should know, questions you want us to answer. We can't wait to hear from you. We love a good conversation. As much as we love saying this tagline, which is how we love to end every episode. And that is to always read more fucking comics. (laughs) Y'all take care now.